welcome to episode 26 of the Green and Healthy Places podcast, in which we take a deep dive into the world of sustainability and well-being in real estate and hospitality. I'm your host, Matt Morley, founder of Biophilico Wellbeing Interiors and Biofit Gym Design. In this episode, we're in Portland, Oregon in the US with Michelle Ifferson of DesignWell Studios. We discuss a term that is more common perhaps in the US than Europe, namely building biology, what that's all about, essentially a combination of healthy building strategies and biophilia or nature connectedness. Her in-person and virtual assessments of residential environments address issues affecting the health of occupiers. She looks at the risks of off-gassing from flooring and wall paints, for example. We talk about how to mitigate the risk of electromagnetic fields or EMS in your home and generally how to safely manage uh, smart home technology. She has a lot of strings in her bow. She's co-developed a lab test for indoor air quality. She's launched her own collection of biophilic nature-inspired artworks and also delivers landscape design services for clients too as a way to bring the outside world in. Michelle is devoted to all things natural and healthy in the home environment, so we had plenty to talk about. If you enjoyed this episode, please hit subscribe. My social media handles are in the show notes below if you want to reach out. Nada mas. Let's get into it. Here's Michelle Ifferson from Design Well Studios. Rock and roll, Michelle. Thanks for joining us. Uh, really nice to have you on board all the way from Portland, Oregon. Uh, I wanted to kick things off just with a, a sort of an overview from your side then in what you do with Design Well Studios and how you got to where you are today. Thanks for having me, Matt. I'm really happy to connect with you. And um, I definitely want to um, speak more about uh, the connection and how I found you and, and what I'm doing with that. But yeah, I've been um, I've been inspired by biophilic design and um, healthy living spaces for quite some time now. Um, I grew up in Santa Barbara, California, beautiful place, but everything grew there. And then we lived in an area where it was a little bit more damp. And so I developed a lot of allergies and um, just kind of suffered with that for a while. And everybody's like, oh, you're allergic to mold. Well, mold is, it, it is an allergy, but it's not supposed to be inside of you. And so I, I love science. I grew up watching surgeries, believe it or not. Um, but I also come from a home that is, um, I, my mother is a renowned landscape architect and my father is a builder. My, my, my birth father was a sculptor. So I, I love art and design as well. So the, the science part and the, and the, and the design part really, you know, I love, I've always loved that. Um, I wanted to become a doctor um, and I was taking my anatomy classes and uh, long story short, I walked in to do my cadaver labs and the formaldehyde was so overwhelming that I couldn't complete it. So I went to art school in Europe <laughs> and uh, yeah. By that stage you had established, I think if it sounds like this, just a, an interesting combination between art and science and, and an element of medicine and perhaps some influences from landscaping. And, and sure. at some point that leads you towards sort of biophilic design and the yeah, idea was, of wellness design. Exactly. It was sort of infused in me, in my environment, in my life. And whether I liked it or not, it was happening. <laughs> and uh, I, I then I, I got into um, 
information architecture and customer experience design in San Francisco for years and was designing online experiences and taking brick and mortar stores to like Sephora and Wells Fargo to an online experience. And um, so I've got that techie thing going on too. I've got a very interesting background, but don't we all <laughs> at this point? It's it's, uh, it's interesting to be able to kind of merge those things. But um, and then, you know, when I was designing my son's room 20 years ago, uh, it was very difficult to find healthy building material, healthy furnishings. And so I sourced uh, heavily and took a while to find uh, one place in Oregon, actually, Pacific Rim Furniture, with no toxins, um, no no um, adhesives that were, you know, bad for you. And so I started that, uh, that path um, while I was being a designer and a um, doing architecture, information architecture for high-tech companies. And so I, I moved back to Santa Barbara after living in a couple different places on the West Coast and um, met, a, met a naturopathic doctor. And so we got to chatting and she did a house call and noticed how gnarly their environment was, how it was damp, it was off-gassing. And we, we got together and we created a company that, that did these house calls, these, these environmental assessments. And then later on, I got into building biology and studied all about um, building science, healthy building and remodeling, and electromagnetic field testing, EMFs, um, and really dove deeper into VOCs and indoor air quality. Okay, so there's lots in that. So we're going to, well, let's let's loop back around onto the building biology piece because I think that's it's really valuable information. But you mentioned the scene in Portland, Oregon, 20 years ago, and you know, if, if you like, struggling to find anywhere that was delivering on this concept of sort of healthy materials and healthy furniture. How are things today, and how does it compare, for example, with what you see, for example, down in, in California in terms of the rest of the U.S. There are certain parts of the world that seem to be really pushing ahead and with availability now for these things or leading from the path uh, or leading the uh, the market. How is your local scene? Local scene is, well, I'm not shopping for cribs anymore, <laughs> but for furnishings, you know, I, I, it's not fabulous. I mean, you definitely still have to source and a lot of the stuff comes from Europe and it comes from California. So we do have a um, mattress manufacturer here that gets natural latex material and he makes beds. And so I, I source a lot of those for my clients. Um, you know, I, I do a lot of um, used furniture, have you, and re- reupholster it. There's a reupholstery um, company here that does all sustainable upholstery and natural latex and wool and things like that too. Um, it's There are some places, but especially furnishings, really, really tough, really tough. There is some places that do, um, I work with a lot of, um, artists that will create furniture for me, right? So we'll design furniture together and for, for, for jobs. And so we'll source, you know, really nice, sustainable wood. And I, 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 I coach them on healthy 
finishings and, and adhesives and things like that too. So to make that, so it's still in that creative stage, but it's not readily available where you just go walk down the street and here's an eco store, like in, in London, you know, they have a lot more to offer. Yeah. I think, I think probably the reality is that, uh, you know, in most even major cities still, there's a sense that it's a, it's a niche market, but it's, it's then about availability. And you're right that the European market is now pretty strong on that, but it, that, yeah, I, it doesn't necessarily mean we have uh, direct access at retail, but we have, right. we can get to things pretty quickly within the European market. And there's some, there's someone out there doing everything that we need. And I think that's, that's a real sign of the times. Right. And, and I think it'll just carry on. We don't know how far it'll go in terms of becoming mainstream, but I think it'll become increasingly accepted. So, so let's loop back around then, because you, you mentioned building biology. And I think, you know, those are perhaps two words that don't necessarily go together all that often. I know, in, it's in kind of, yeah, mind. for sure. So give us the, give us the 30 second intro into building biology from your perspective. Well, it's, it's really about building science and, and creating, and creating built environments as they simulate nature. So breathable walls, you know, healthy indoor air space, air quality, um, you know, you know, great flooring without adhesives and really trying to mimic outdoors to indoors. And, um, you know, I love technology but at a, at a limit, like there's, there's a way to use it safely. Right. Um, and we can talk more about EMFs later, but, um, building, building biology is, is just that it's, it's, it's breathable, livable spaces that support humans. So I call it human code rather than building code. (laughs) Hmm. Yeah. It's an interesting take on things. And then, so when you do your, uh, environmental wellness assessments, then, I'm guessing 99% of the times you're going into spaces that are not built along those principles. So they are not buildings that have a building biology uh, concept behind them. So in fact, it's probably the opposite, right? You're going in, there's some kind of a a problem that's been identified, whether it's visually something that's appearing on the walls or there's a health issue for the residents of the home. Would that be correct? Absolutely. Yeah. Most people get to me from their wellness providers, um, um, that they recommend having them check out their home or they, or they're like, I've gone down all this health, this, this, this road to, um, you know, having their health being compromised and they think that there's something it's stemming from their environment. Right. So they're, it's kind of a detective work. They want to figure out where the source is coming from. And that's a lot of our business. It's, it's not as sexy as, is biophilic design, <laughs> but it, it is, uh, supportive work and I really enjoy it. And I've helped a lot of people over the years determine what's going on in their environment because it's so, they're so used to their environment. They're so used to their home and they're, they're not objective, right? They're like, they think that's normal. Things are normal. That off gassing of the paint of the, of the flooring is normal. Well, you know, I've got so many cases where people will put, build brand new homes or their remodel and they'll put luxury vinyl tile I don't know if you have that in Europe, <laughs> but it's yeah, LVT. It's, yep, LVT, and um, it looks great. It's beautiful, easy to clean, whatnot. But it, a lot of them have adhesives in it that with formaldehyde that have formaldehyde in it, and it'll off gas up to fifteen years. Especially if they don't have a system, an air system that will purify it and filter that out. So, 
Um, I do on-site assessments here locally in Portland. Um, and then now since the pandemic, um, I've had to, um, there's to, uh, do more virtual assessments. So I've been doing virtual assessments for people all over the country and I work together. Um, I don't know, I say work together, but I've connected with a, um, toxicologist and immunologist, um, that works with people all over the world on their, um, there are situations where they test their blood for mycotoxins mold and they want to know what to do about their environment. And so I come in and, and consult with them and do a virtual assessment through, um, you know, a, a laptop or FaceTime and take a look at their environment. And we have a really lengthy questionnaire to determine. And I've been able to help a lot of people that way. It feels really good. So if you were to do an in-person assessment, which presumably you know, in a local context post-COVID will become the norm again for you or the preference, what are you Not measuring? necessarily. No? Not necessarily. No. You know why? Because um, I found myself getting exposed to mold and um, to chemicals. And so I know how to, I know how, what supplements to take. I know I sauna and I, I know how to do that and wear the gear, but it's not something that I, I want to do so much anymore. Comes with a health risk. Right. Hmm. Right. And you mentioned EMFs then. So for those that perhaps aren't aware of what it involves, why you would need to test for it and how you identify it, what's your process there? So uh, a lot of people come to me when they are looking to purchase a property, right? Like yesterday, I just did a property that was right next to a corridor where it's people run up and down it. And above it, there's transmission power lines. So they wanted to know that this person's very active, they're very healthy, they want to know what's going on. And so they, they think that, hey, there might be a connection, I want to check it out. So I go and I do an assessment where I check for, excuse me, <clears throat> electric and magnetic fields. Um, and we adhere to the precautionary principle um, for building biology standards between, you know, what's, what's low to high and, and the health risks that could be coming from that. Now, um, there are a lot of studies. Studies are still happening, but like with 5G, that's so very new. So there's not a lot of studies out there. Um, there are studies with 2G and 3G, but 5G is completely um, a different animal, a different beast. It's small cell microwave radiation, and it has to be close, not further away. But when you're close to it, it's definitely um, it's definitely more harmful, um, I should say. I don't want to go down that road too much, but... Um, I, when it comes to EMFs, like I have a cell phone, but I use a case that has, that shields it. Um, I'm hardwired with ethernet and my computer. We don't have Wi-Fi here. We have our Roku, which is a, uh, a television. It's kind of like a Apple TV and it's hardwired. So we still have the benefit. We have a, 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 a outdoor speaker, outdoor stereo, we plug our, 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 our stereo into it. So it's all connected and it still sounds fabulous. So there's ways to do it. Um, 
you know, I've been doing a lot of these smart homes and they're very savvy. They're very cool. I mean, you can talk to your, your, uh, or not talk to you, but find out how many eggs are in your refrigerator. <laughs> um, I love the, I love technology. I love it, but is it necessary and how much do we need? Right. And some people like are, hmm? yeah, there's, it's just this interesting moment where, yeah, there's, there's this two things going on, which is a sort of a return to, to desiring or looking for a connection to nature and at the same time just a massive technological explosion and it's not it's not going backwards entirely but nor do we want to leave where we came from behind and so you end up with this sort of slightly it's it's like a dichotomy between the two and it's quite hard sometimes to sort of bridge them or find that point of of comfort um where it's at maybe the health uh, benefits are, are maximized and where actually going any further is, is just becoming detrimental to your health. For um, sure. The idea no, they ha- air, air, yeah, just around air quality then, because I'm conscious that that's you know, going to be one of these, I think, like hot, hot topics for a few years to come for obvious right. reasons. So yeah, how do you work do. with indoor air quality and what, are, what sort of techniques are you thinking about in terms of measuring and also improving indoor air quality? Sure. Now I was just thinking of what you were saying about technology. They have the, the white, the apps on your phone that can check your air and things like that. So that's that dichotomy you were talking about. Like, yes, that's great that you're checking your VOCs and your, your air and, and whatnot and your health of your home, but then you're using Wi-Fi, right? All over to, to use that purpose. So we don't do that. We have a developed a kit with, um, with a lab here in the U.S. Um, that tests for over 500 different VOCs, um, volatile organic compounds or chemicals. And uh, it's a tube that you put on the test, the pump, and it's about an hour and a half test. And it just takes in the data, holds it in the tube, and then we send it off to the lab. And then we get a very professional lab um report back that I go over with my clients and it goes to the source where the, where it's coming from. And so it's very, it's a great tool to analyze your air, what's going on. If you just did a remodel, if there's something going on in your environment, you think you don't know what that odor is or what's happening. Um, we were able to, to determine what, you know, where the source is coming from and then to help to consult with them to remediate it. So it's like a deep dive analysis of the indoor air quality at a specific point in time. Right. It's like a blood test. It's like a blood test for your body. Right. And so it's a, it's a great way to know um, what's going on there. And we, um, it tests for mold VOCs as well. So if there's something going on that way, and then we have a isolated formaldehyde test, which is fantastic because you don't have to strip away the other chemicals to get to that particular chemical. It just is a pure, a pure test. So we can ship these um, and people can buy these pumps and they hold they have them for a tool in their home and they can use them in their office or car, their van build, their, 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 their kids dorm <laughs> or their, their, their parents assisted living place. And they can use it in, or they can use it again after they remediate to have that. It's, 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 um, it's a great tool. Yeah. I think the, the the underlying concept there is that um, there is there are now just a plethora of low grade and not that effective 
air quality monitors out there and you know right. this, this Dyson fan in the corner of my my home office here would would be included in that it just can't work it out it's not it's not of the standard that we need in order to get a really decent look and and most of what's happening sort of desktop uh, monitors are not going to get there so I think the idea of having what you're describing as a, as a yeah, like a blood test for your air right. and then perhaps you know slightly more up slightly more, not medical grade, but an, uh, an upgraded air quality monitor doing a sort of continuous analysis, such as sure. the ones that Aware and companies like that are doing. That, yeah, to me, do. starts to feel pretty comprehensive, you know. Exactly. And, and you, you've, got, you've got reliable data, um, right. not just the, the easily available stuff that doesn't really necessarily do that much for us. No, it's good to have the constant monitoring. It's great to do that. But it's also, you know, important to note that, we don't want people living in fear, right? We want them to be able to be go, come home to their space, to go to their workspace, to feel inspired and not um, worried that there's something in their environment that's going to harm them. So it's really good. I feel like I give people a lot of peace of mind, especially with EMF testing. Like for instance, some people's uh, dishwashers are very hot. Right. And so a lot of people prep around their dishwasher. And if you're trying to conceive a baby, that's probably not a good thing. Right. So it's just good to know where, what your, what's the pulse of your home and how to operate and function. And then when you move to a new place, you know, figure that out again. And then you're like, you know how to navigate and, and shield or just know to not hang out in that particular area. Like a lot of people put, their electrical panels or their smart meters, um, your bedrooms or spaces where you spend a lot of time. So that's like a constant radio frequency coming at you all the time, preventing a lot of dirty electricity. And um, like I'm helping a woman on the coast who has a two acre property and she's building a home. She's got a, she's got a two year old and she wants, I'm, I'm, consulting with her on placement of where the smart meter should be and not near his bedroom, not near areas over there. You can opt out and not have it, have the radio frequency on there. She doesn't have any health issues, but it's just a preventative, you know, it's a, it's a good, good way to know about that. So a lot of, I, I, I do a lot of places that, you know, it, you'd be shocked where the, there's no regulation here in the U S that, I just found now that the, the newer homes are going to be more regulated where they put the gas meters. They have radio frequency as well. But what about all the existing homes? There's nothing about that. There's no education. There's no shielding. There's no, they don't try and opt out. So it's, it's, it's a hard fight sometimes um, to be able to reach a lot of people with this. But I prevail. I keep trying. Well, there you get into the slightly more strategic piece around healthy interior design as a, as a concept and, and almost sort of healthy healthy buildings and, and healthy sure. real estate development or refurbishment projects, right? Now, it's a term that I think we're seeing more and more of. Everybody has, I think, their own interpretation of. But when, when you talk about healthy interiors and healthy interior design, what, what do you interpret that to mean? Sourcing materials and furnishings and finishes that are non-toxic, that are that are not going to off-gas, that are not going to give them trouble. I've had clients who just purchased a regular mattress and that's given them 
um, sort of a body burden, toxic overload that's created them to be multiple chemical sensitive from one mattress. So it's just, it's really good to, and who knows their story before? Do you know what I mean? Like they could have had other past exposures, but um, just a healthy interior um, really is about quality air. That's, that's more, most important. Healthy building materials, insulation is a huge one. Um, and making sure that your, your crawl space, your attic is, is clean and not, not too, um, not too damp, not too humid. Um, and, uh, just really shoring it up in, in, you know, the healthy design too. It's not just about the building materials and furnishings and things like that. It's, it's space planning, right? It's bringing in greenery. It's, it's views. It's, it's where you function and operate in your home. Like for instance, I'm, I'm in my office, which was a spare bedroom that we created. Um, and there was no window towards the backyard. I have a lovely backyard with, with a, with, with a garden and, um, beautiful vegetation that I had no access to in here when I moved in here. And so my husband built or made a window. <laughs> so I could see it. And so it just, it makes me want to come in here. And, um, since I'm not in the field so much, I'm, I'm more inspired to be on the computer and have these podcasts and these meetings, um, and work with my clients there. So having a view of nature is, is the landscape design outside in, inside out. So that's, that's a really big piece of the way I design and, um, I work with people on their landscape and their yards to and their gardens so they can be where they're sitting, have a beautiful view or there's a fountain there or a special plant that they like or um, a tree or something like that. So it's not it's sort of, yeah, it's it's a nice way to design and, and people seem to really appreciate that. And that then you get into the concepts of, of biophilic design, biophilia, and what I think what you're describing is really sort of direct forms of biophilia where it's it's live plants. But I know you're also so I indoor landscaping or indoor outdoor landscaping, but I know you've also done a project whereby you've co-created, it seems, a collection of biophilic artworks, which to me would look like indirect forms of biophilia, yes. right? So a way to connect with nature, but through are they prints? Are they original artworks? How did you go about that? What was the story behind that? Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah so um, very cool story, and um, it's it's a it feels like the most wonderful project because it's with my mother. Um, my mother is a, a very renowned landscape architect who has done so many projects all throughout California, Santa Barbara, Montecito, Napa Valley the Bay area, um, and here in Portland and she, um, is retired now. And, uh, a few years ago, um, I've been, I've been trying to, and she went to art school. I mean, she's a, she's an amazing artist and painter, but she has not painted since she was in college. And so I was very inspired to, I bought her canvases and, and paints and things like that. And she slowly started getting into it. But then what really took off is that I'm a photographer. I've been a photographer for years. I was I started it out when I was in art school in Europe. And I love photographing nature. I love photographing when I go, I hike, I'm very active, and I go and I photograph 
the macro of a mushroom close of a mushroom open. Um, just having that perspective deeper into that, that lens. And I would bring my photos or I would send them to her on my phone and she would just be inspired and just this light bulb hit with her and she started painting them. And then, um, she started painting, um, indoor plants during the pandemic where I wasn't going out so much. So we kind of went in, right. And so she started painting these beautiful monsteras and these palms and ferns. And, um, I put them all in my, my studio here and we put them in the house and it just really invoked such a positive mood. Um, and so that was, that's sort of the start of our biophilic prints. And we're opening up a store on Etsy uh, and uh, going to be selling them on the, on the site as well. And, and just, and just really have fun with it. I like it. You've got your husband making windows out into the back garden for you. You've got your mom making uh, biophilic artworks. Uh, every, <laughs> everyone busy, going. right? <laughs> I got my son's gardening in the yard. No, it's uh-huh. great. Yeah. <laughs> I, I cook for everybody. Yeah. All hands out on deck. Out of our garden. It What's sounds that? good to me. All hands on deck, getting a whole family <laughs> involved. Very good. And <laughs> how are you seeing things now as we're looking ahead, as we're sort of, I think there's this feeling of, of cautious optimism for the next six months, but how are you seeing things? I know it's been a tough hustle over the last 18 months for most of us working in this game, but it right. does feel like there's perhaps just this opportunity now, right? When well, the, the themes we've been talking about for a while are, are suddenly becoming a little bit more understood and appreciated. Are, are you picking up on that? Are you feeling optimistic for the next six months? How do you see it? Definitely, definitely. I feel like this is a, is a, a breath of fresh air, and people are they're, they're hungry for it. You know, they are. They've also spent a lot of time in their home environment, right? They've been like, Ugh. and they realize that they can do better, and they want to do better, and they're still working. They're still working from home, they're, so they have income. A lot of people, and so they want to dial in their homes, and then a lot of people have gone out into their yards and gardening. So they really are taking pride and ownership into their own environment, which is, feels really good. So it's for me as a environmental designer, I, I feel like it's just opened up this avenue of, of awareness and also desire to dial things in a little bit deeper and to, and to realize that that's good money well spent um, rather than, you know, an option of kind of a a luxury, I should say. It's looking more like they want to take care of their health. They want to take care of their their place, and they want to um, they want to source better materials. So, it's the residential piece um, that I that we've talked about. You and I is that you know having people, you know showing them how to do that and, and, and offering that service to be able to dive in deeper. Um, so they're actually applying these things um, on a personal level. You just need level. to give someone like a, a really top line, you know, a few, a few tips, just the sort of the basics when you're talking to someone who's perhaps not necessarily thinking today about creating a healthy home, but right. they have, as you say, over the last 18 months become more aware that actually, yeah, it's important to think about that and perhaps right. they're not doing enough and therefore, okay, what are the, what are the sort of the first few things that everyone should be thinking about? Indoor air quality, obviously, number one, um, test your air, 
first, find out what's really going on in your environment, just to stick at a baseline and then work with us on, on going over the report. And, and really that's just like, if you want to start somewhere um, and then if, you know, dial it in with an air purifier, you know, and, and to reduce those VOCs and then figure out where the source is coming in, bring in more plants, definitely bring in more plants, you know, put in a little um, humidity, uh, it's called a um, monitor, humidity monitor. And, um, and, and check to see, you know, how is your house functioning? You know, if you're living in Florida, it's going to be very high. So stick a dehumidifier in there. So just really kind of be one with your space. And then also notice where you spend your most of your time when, like in your bedroom, when you wake up, what do you look at first thing? I say it's a fantastic trick or a tip I should say is put a photograph or put something inspiring or a beautiful plant or your, you know, your meditation station or something um, inspiring to look at when you wake up every morning. Also pay attention to where you put your electronics. Try not to have them next to your bed. Turn your play or your phone and your wireless um, router off at night. That's a good, that's a good easy tip. Nice. Yeah, the, and the routers, I think I found the best way, at least with that, was uh, finding these um, multi-plug, multi-plugs with timers on. So I'm able right. to set the timers so that it just goes off at midnight totally. and yep. comes back on if you do That's have to fantastic. have Wi-Fi. Yeah. For sure. I like it. Lots of great in- tips and information in there. Really cool. We'll link to everything on the show notes. And thank you so much again for your time. It's been awesome. Thank you, Matt. Really appreciate it. Love chatting with you. Thank you so much.